Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today, we are in Jeremiah. We'll be looking at uh, chapter 18. And chapter 19, chapter 18 deals with this parable, the potter and the clay. This is a famous uh, parable, and it's often um, referred to many times that we are just like clay in the potter's hands. Well, this is where that uh, uh, um, parable comes from. And many times, uh, as McGee points out, uh, Jeremiah uh, does things to act out the parables that he is giving the people and the prophecy that he's giving the people as a parable uh, so that the people could understand, so that the people could relate to it. And so many times Jesus used parables, and so many times that we see other um other uh, parables or metaphors that 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 uh, God uses throughout the Old Testament that gives people an image that they could understand. You know, like this this uh, image of um, the bride and the bridegroom to show God's love like a bridegroom for a bride. And even though the bride was unfaithful, the bridegroom was still loving um, the bride. That's what we saw in Song of Songs, you know, Song of Solomon. Uh, we would see so many different types of uh of metaphors like when you're walking, walking in step with the Holy Spirit as we walk through life. You know, God compares our Christian relationship with Him and our acts and deeds and thoughts as a walk, you know. And um, uh, Jesus said, I am the way. You know, that's the way we're to walk. So um, th- this is another parable. And so... Um, I think God is doing this through Jeremiah to show the people the relationship that they have with God and God has with them. So let's jump in and see what it's like. Uh, Chapter 18, verse 1, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Now, it all, remember, starts with the word of God. Remember, the word came to Jeremiah, but remember, the word is with us too. The word has come with us. We have the word of God, the Bible, sitting right in front of us. We have the word of God which is Jesus Christ, the personification of the Word of God is Jesus Christ. So we have the Word of God coming to us too. But Jeremiah has the Word of God uh, arise, go down 
and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So God tells Jeremiah, get up, go down to the potter's house. So, and he doesn't necessarily tell him what he's going to do. So Jeremiah, of course, doesn't question. He gets up and he goes there. So I went down to the potter's house. And there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. So, you know, as we see this picture, you know, Jeremiah hears God tell him to go down and look at the potter's house. He goes down there and looks at it, and the lump of clay uh, that the potter was working on um, looked like it was spoiled, or it looked like it it wasn't a good um, uh, lump of clay, and so wasn't going to work out, so the, the potter has to rework it and reshape it into something better. Verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me. Okay, so boom, now he's getting the word of the Lord. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. He's telling them, you guys are just like a lump of clay to me. I'm the potter. And I can do with you like I want to do. I can do with the nation of Israel just like the potter can do with the clay. And I can do with each one of you like the potter can do. That's like, that's the relationship. The clay doesn't have a brain. The clay doesn't have uh, any way to fight back against the potter. The potter makes the clay into what he thinks best would suit the potter's needs. He's not making the clay based on the clay's needs. He's making the clay into something that the clay needs to, to be at. And then, of course, when they put the clay in the kill and, and, and make it solid into a vase, it serves a purpose. It serves a higher purpose than the clay could ever uh, hope to accomplish. It can be beautiful. It can have function. It can have handles. It can, have, it can hold water. It can serve a purpose. And then this clay can be useful. And without the potter, the only thing, as McGee says, the only thing between this lump of useless clay and this lump of useful, beautiful, functional clay is the potter. O house of Israel, verse 7, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. What's happening here? And as Pastor Ainsworth says, God is declaring his sovereignty that the potter is in control. And he's declaring, we see, that he is 
not only sovereign over every individual, he's sovereign over the nations. That he is an international God. And he can talk about any nation. And he can declare uh, a nation or a kingdom that if they are serving his purpose, he can work them into what he wants them to be. But if he feels like a kingdom or a nation is not serving his purpose, he can pluck it out. And he can destroy it. Just like a potter can do to a lump of clay. That's, the, that's how the nations are to the potter. And if at any time, verse 9, I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, That is in vain. We will follow our own plans and every one act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Okay, so... The Lord says, and this is really interesting to me, that if any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and then if that nation just starts doing evil, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intended to do to it. If the nation... The, the, so... So there is a little bit in this parable that the lump of clay has choices. And God says he's always talking to them. You know, if they don't hear my voice. Isn't that interesting that God's voice is in our hearts? God's voice is always supposed to be around us. That's the parable. That's so neat. You're, you've got a potter working on you like you're a lump of clay. He's got a plan for you. And he's talking to you. He's got your voice. He's got his voice in your head. It's the Holy Spirit's voice. His voice is trying to help you. And as we saw back in verse 17... The heart is desperately sick, but the Lord searches the heart and tests the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. But just like the potter, he is always testing the clay. And if the clay, if the people reject him and do evil in his sight, not listening to his voice, he can relent of the good that he intended for that clay to do. He can rework the clay into something different. And he says he's shaping disaster for the nation of Israel because they are doing evil in his sight. And then he says in verse 13, the virgin Israel has done a very horrible thing. 
But my people have forgotten me, in verse 15, to make offerings to false gods. They make them stumble in their ways in ancient roads and to walk into side roads, not the highway. So he's sort of comparing. He's going back to this other parable of Israel, sort of like the virgin, the virgin bride. And the bridegroom is, that's the kind of love that God has for the bride. And of course, this bride had done a horrible thing, had had affairs with other people other than the bridegroom. Okay, that's like when the nation Israel is turning to false gods and idols, idol worship and sinful ways and deeds. And also as nations and rulers, they made treaties with other nations, with trying to make treaties with the Assyrians and the Egyptians and reaching out to the Babylonians and all these nations... ended up conquering at some point the nation Israel. nation Israel was, of course, held captive by Egypt, conquered then later by Assyrians, and then later by um, Babylonians. So that's kind of like this virgin um, having affairs with other suitors. You know, that that's, that's the part of the parable that, that God's been using. But my people have forgotten me, the false gods. Then verse 17, like the east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. This is showing that God, this international God, this God who's active in the lives of the people, but also in the nations. He can do what He wants with the nations. Verse 18, then they said, come, Let us make plots against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor word from the prophet. Come, let us strike him with the tongue, and let us not pay attention to any of his words. The people don't want to hear it, and they are making plots against Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah says down in verse 23, Yet you, O Lord, know all their plotting to kill me. Forgive not their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. God has been saying to Jeremiah that these people are beyond hope. And then Jeremiah is sort of letting the Lord's will be set up so god is telling him to tell these people that they are just like clay to the potter and if the the potter the if the potter sets out this clay for a good purpose but if he finds the clay is spoiled or is is bad the potter has every right to turn that clay into something different And just like the people, when God set out the nation to have a good purpose, if if the clay in the potter's hands, if the people turn and and, um, do evil in his sight and don't listen to his voice and aren't strengthened by his presence, potter can change his mind and rework the clay into something different. Of course, the people then reject this parable and want to kill Jeremiah for telling him this parable. 
And it's like Jeremiah at the end says, you know what? It's time for these people to be reworked into something different. They've declared who they are. And God is giving them, God gives them every opportunity to declare that they're going to be useful for his purpose. But the potter has every right. Isn't it interesting and ironic at the same time that the people are hearing their own condition before God and also hearing God's complete sovereignty and right to do what he wants with them. And he has every right to do it, the same right that a potter does with clay. No one would question what the potter does with clay. God can do anything He wants with our lives and anything He wants with the nation. McGee makes this point that the potter, God is not obligated to save any man. We kind of think of ourselves as special and a special person that God loves. And we want to believe that. But remember, God is not obligated to save any man. So let's continue this um, parable. I think it moves into verse in chapter 19. Thus says the Lord, Go buy a potter's earthenware flask and take some of the elders and the people and some of the elders and the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hemon at the entry of the postherd gate and proclaim there the words that I tell you. So he says, Go, all right, now you're down at the potter's house. Go buy a flask. Go buy one of these things. And then take the leaders down there with you and tell them these words. So what does Jeremiah do? Jeremiah, these are people ready to kill him. All right, so now he's got to do this. So he he takes this thing down to the gate. He's doing what God commands him. And, he, and um, verse 3, You shall say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I'm bringing such a disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle, because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to the other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor their kings of Judah have known. Because they fill this place with the blood of innocence and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command nor decree, nor did it become into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topeth, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And in this place I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem, and I will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand of those who seek their life. I will give their dead bodies for food to the birds and of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and I will make this city a horror, a thing to be hissed at. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss because of all its wounds." And I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and their daughters, and everyone shall eat the flesh of his neighbor in the siege and in the distress with which the enemies, their enemies, and those who seek their life afflict them. 
This is major prophecy against the nation. Okay, this is major. And so, people are supposed to hear this. What do you think they're listening? People, the leaders, the elders, the rulers of Judah and Jerusalem are supposed to hear all this. And then what does God tell them to do? He says, then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, so will I break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel so that it can never be mended. What's he saying? He's saying, look, this is what you are to me. This is what this nation is going to be to me. I'm going to completely break this nation and nobody's going to put it back together again. There's just, once you break a, a vessel like this, you can't put all the pieces back together. It'll never be beautiful. It'll never be worth anything. It'll never be useful for anything. And he's telling all these elders, they're not useful for anything. And this is the relationship to the potter. This is what the potter can do to his vessel if it's not worthy, if it's not worth anything. Verse 15, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon this city and upon all its towns all the disaster that I have pronounced against it because they have stiffened their neck, refusing to hear my words. Refusing to hear my voice. Like in chapter 18, verse 10. Not listening to my voice. Therefore, I will relent of the good that I have intended to do to it. This is what the potter can... This is, the, this is a parable of our relationship to God, God's sovereignty over us. Let's hope we listen to God's words. Let's hope that we open our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit that is waiting to help us, to strengthen us, to be there for us. Let us understand how important it is to be in the presence of the potter's hand, to let the potter's hand shape us into what he wants us to be. Let us keep our hearts centered on Christ, centered on God the Father, that we can be useful for him, that our lives can be changed by him, and that we're just like clay in his hands. And let us understand how important it is for us to remain in His, in His ways. Because without His presence in our lives, without His hands on us, working in our life, our lump of clay is already spoiled without Him. Our lump of clay is useless, full of sin without His hands in us. We are already condemned to death. We are already condemned to 
worthlessness. So we have to keep our minds and hearts in check. God says the heart is desperately, desperately sick. The hearts of men, deceitful. Who can even understand it? But the Lord searches the hearts and tests our minds. So this that was back in verse chapter 17. So keep your hearts and your minds centered on Christ. It's so important that you let the Holy Spirit be with you in this endeavor because we need to be useful. We need to be useful. God wants us to be holy. He's not calling us to be worldly. He's calling us to be holy. So for me to all of you, I hope this is helpful and uh, and insightful. I love this verse. It's just great, great uh, parables here. And um, so for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And I'll see you next time. I will see you next week. So now I'll turn the podcast over to Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your uh, insight into this powerful message. God bless you all. Keep your heart centered on Christ, and I'll see you next time. Hello. Today's teaching is coming from Isaiah chapter 18 all the way to chapter 19. So here we see Jeremiah take a trip to the potter's house. So Jeremiah began a method that Ezekiel had developed and perfected, and this was the act to act out the parables that he told. So both men did it to get people's attention, and these people were hardened people, and um, they were hardened in sin, and they had rejected the word of God, meaning they had rejected God, and it was difficult to get them to listen. And this is, um, you know, something that we actually experience today, to get people to listen to the word of God, because people have rejected the word of God. So the Lord sometimes has used, um, you know, extreme methods to get our attention. You know, we may wonder, you know, why has God let this happen to these particular people? Why has God let this happen to you and me? This is in order for us to actually get his attention. Um, You know, if we look at the Apostle Paul, he had a thorn in his flesh and, you know, he had eye trouble. And God did this in order to actually um, get Paul's attention, you know, you know, on the road to Damascus, when Paul was going to persecute um, God's people, this is when God actually spoke to Paul, and this is when Paul had, you know, the eye trouble. So God actually, he does, he sometimes uses extreme methods to get our attention. And um, the Lord Jesus did resort to using parables, and he used the these particular methods to get to people's hearts, because it was just easier to actually relate it in the local situation and to tell a parable. So... <clears throat> We begin at chapter 18, and verse 1 reads, The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made 
of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look at the clay in his in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. So here, you know, this is the visit that he made, and um, then he makes an application of it to the nation, and that was to the nation Israel. So God, in this particular case, is the potter, and Israel is the clay here. So Israel is not only the clay here, like in, in our situation today, all mankind in general are clay. And God is the creator, he's the maker, he's the potter. So Paul used this in the New Testament. Um, He used this particular phrase, and that was in the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 21, which reads, Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? So God is the potter in this particular case. And Paul also speaks of the clay in 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 21, which reads, <clears throat> Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So here... Um, you know, God sets us aside, you know, for good works. This is what's here in Timothy. Um, I'll read it again. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself um, <clears throat> for the latter, um, he will be a vessel. So he will be a pot made by the potter. So if we cleanse ourselves. So here, just like um, <clears throat> the... The potter who made um, a vessel that was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, so that this 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 vessel was set aside again, and this potter was making a vessel, and it got marred in his hand, and it wouldn't yield, um, as the clay just had to be, you know, the right texture, so he, you know, he placed it aside, and so he picked it up later and made it another kind of vessel so you know we have two things here you know the power of the potter and the personality of the clay so um you know then we will see the opposite um of that so we have the personality of the potter and the power of the clay so here the power of the clay so god took clay sorry the power of the potter so god took the clay and formed man so that's the physical part And we can see this in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7, which reads, um, let me just quickly turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and it reads, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living being. So here, we are the living being. We may we were made from dust, and to dust we shall return. So um, God is the potter, so no one can stop him or question his might 
or resist his will or say him nay or alter his plan or speak back to him. So God finishes all of us. So we were made in the image of God. God, you know, God's work is not complete. You know, he doesn't make an incomplete human being. So God finishes us all. So God is sovereign and he has, you know, certain rights. Also, he has, um, you know, incontestable authority. He has irresistible ability. He um, has an inflexibility and will form individuals and nations and the world and the universe. He has power to carry through his will today. Um, he is answerable to no one, and we live in a universe that is running to please God. So we, you know, all of us have a purpose to please God, to glorify and to please God, and we are running, we are merely existing in his universe, and that is the power of the potter. And then we have the personality of the clay, so, you know, we as human beings, you know, we are hopeless human beings with no hope, and, you know, when dust gets stuck together, it forms mud. So the personality of the clay in this particular case, if the clay is not the right texture, it's going to be marred and it can only be corrected by the one who is sovereign, who is, um, who has the authority and that's God. So, you know, if clay is exposed to too much sun, it becomes hard and it gets marred. Just as if ice is exposed to too much sun, it melts. So if the clay is not the right texture, it gets marred. So this is, you know, um, if, if, if we indulge in sin, we get marred and we need to be cleansed in order um, for us to do God's will. So we need to go back to God. God cleanses us and, you know, we get sanctified and set aside for the purpose of God. So that's the personality of the clay. So now we get to the personality of the potter. So here we see this at verse 4 of chapter 18. It says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. So here, you know, if God, you know, were cruel, you know, we would, um, you know, this would be the most terrifying truth if God was just cruel and it would be repulsive to us. But God is full of grace and full of mercy and full of loving kindness. So he made another vessel because he has patience. So you and I have no right to actually question God. Actually, that would be blasphemous. And, you know, God is kind and gracious. He acts with all love and wisdom and justice. So, you know, they, God always has an answer and a reason for doing things as he does them. Look at Adam. You know, Adam sinned, Jacob failed, and God, he didn't throw them overboard because God is not cruel. God is not evil. God is kind. So he wasn't um, through with them, and he got the clay and worked it over. You know, like the potter, you know, this particular clay um, was marred because it was in the right texture, and God got it, and, you know, he worked it over. He worked it over with Adam. Even as much as Adam sinned and Jacob failed, he worked it over. Look at Jonah. Jonah was, um, you know, the prophet who ran away from God. He ran away from his calling, but God worked it over and still corrected it and brought it back. And now we have the power of the clay. So here, <clears throat> this is the condition um, of the clay, and um, the clay is um, determined, it's a determining factor in its ultimate destiny so we are the determining factor in our ultimate destiny
So here, an example of Pharaoh was used. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God didn't harden his heart. He brought out that his heart was actually hardened. So God made him reveal what he actually was. God only reveals to, reveals in us what we actually are. God brings out the personality of people today. So um, the sun shines on clay and it hardens. So God, when God shines on us, we actually bring out our personality, who we actually are. We are sinners. We haven't reached that perfect perfection or you know that particular plane. We are sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God every day. When the sun shines on ice, it melts. So when God shines his light on us, it only brings out who we actually are. So God gave Pharaoh an opportunity again and again to actually turn to him and Pharaoh just hardened his heart. And you know, God just brings out, you know, who we actually are. So he shall send them strong delusion you know scripture says he shall send them strong delusion in the last days so who is he sending that to so those that won't receive the love of his truth you know again and again god shows us the love of his truth again and again god shows us you know god asks us to turn to him but we don't want to turn to him we'd rather believe a lie than the truth so god sends them strong delusions and they actually fall for the lie. So the clay has power and can determine what it's going to be. So you can turn your back on him and, you know, you can shake your fists at him and, you know, you can cast yourself or you can cast yourself upon his mercy and yield upon his sweet influence. So this is the lesson that Jeremiah got and took to his people and, you know, and... um he took to his people and they resisted it. They resisted Jeremiah and they turned their backs on God. So here we can see that in verse 18 of chapter 18, which says, Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue. And let us not give heed to any of his words. So they decided to actually, they plotted against him, against his words. You know, the words he was actually going to preach to them. They rejected him, so they rejected God's word and they rejected God. And they plotted against um, Isaiah to actually um, have him killed. So now we move to um, verse ni chapter 19. Of, um, sorry, they plotted against Jeremiah. Um, so now we move to chapter 19 of Jeremiah, and verse 1 reads, Thus says the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen flask, and take some of the elders to, of the people, and some of the elders of the priests. So here, um, goes on to read, And go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the pots shreds, gate and proclaim there the word that I will tell you. So here, Himon is a place where they cast garbage and it was one, uh, it's a place where one of the greatest battles was actually fought. And um, here it's, verse 3 goes on to read and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O King of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such catastrophe on this place that whoever hears it um, his ears will tingle. So here, um, you know, here he was, God was saying he was to 
break that particular bottle. So that's the message and the message and that uh, what he would do to the house. And he was talking about what he would do to the house of Israel because he had actually rejected him. You reject God, God rejects you. So God was going to bring catastrophe and destruction upon these people because they had actually rejected him. And um, dropping down all the way to verse 14, it reads, Then Jeremiah came from uh, Tophet, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood at the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people. So now Jeremiah had actually entered, you know, from the gates and into the court of the, of, 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 um, of um, the Lord's house. And he was to prophesy to all the people. And verse 15 goes on to read, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on this city and on all her towns all the doom that I have pronounced against it because they have stiffened their necks and they might not hear my word. So these were people who just, you know, rejected God completely because, um, because of this message. So they began to persecute Jeremiah because Jeremiah was saying, God is going to bring destruction on you. And they were destruction and catastrophe on you. And they were, they were like, um, you know, he's blaspheming. He, he, he cannot be saying that. So, you know, these are the last days of this particular nation. And this message is not so popular today. You find, you know, if you go out there and preach about, you know, um, the sinful ways in which people are living and how God is actually going to judge them, how God is going to bring judgment upon sin sinners. It's not popular today. You find a lot of people protesting, saying, yes, Christianity, you preach love and all, and yet you say, um, you know, and, and yet you judge us and you're saying, you know, we're going to go to hell and, you know, you're discriminating against us. It's not a popular message. You know, we have a lot of these protests that are going on and, and people are saying, yeah, Christianity is a religion of hate, but and yet you try and hide in, uh, in your hypocrisy and say it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a religion of love and that you're not, you're not embracing to all our different types of ways of life and, you know, our different, you know, you're not accommodating. It's, 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 it's just a draconian um, religion and you're not accommodating of our needs, of our rights and, you know, of our different orientations. Um, and, 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 you know, these are the times we're living in today. And this was the time that Jeremiah was actually living in. He was prophesying and he was preaching a message, a harsh message that people were failing to actually just comprehend and, and take up. And these are the times we're living in today, which are very sad times. So yeah, this is today's teaching about, um, you know, the story of the potter and God being the potter and we being the clay. We also have that particular power and, you know, how we live our lives, the condition of the clay is the determining factor. The condition we're in today is the determining factor of our ultimate destiny. So how, you know, how are we conditioning ourselves today? How are we living our lives? Are we living a clean, righteous life? Or are we choosing to accept, you know, the moral reality today, which is like a decayed moral reality so yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. Have a pleasant Friday. God bless and bye-bye.